If there's a reason for these chains, it's like we suffer to ease the pain. Now I got this feeling inside of me, my heart's in jail, and I can't break free. Welcome, one and all, to Backtracks, Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined, as always, by the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Haskin. How you doing, Scott? Corey, I'm doing great. I am really excited to go through another Aerosmith song, but that quote that you just gave, that really felt like me looking at my list of vinyls that I still want to buy. I can't, I can't stop obsessing over that list. Uh, I, I hear you. I, I tell you, I'm, I knocked one off my list, though. I sent my record guys uh, from Estevan, Saskatchewan. They own a little shop called In Your Ear Records and Collectibles. You're in Saskatchewan. Check them out. Great selection. They, they went to a, a record uh, uh, fair in uh, Brandy, Manitoba. They said, anything you're looking for. So I gave them like a list of like 10 different vinyls. And on that list uh, was one that you recommended to me uh, quite a while ago uh, by a band called Rainbow, Mm -hmm. called Down to Earth. They found me a copy. So I'm going to Estevan this week, actually on Thursday, and I'm picking up my copy of uh, Rainbow's Down to Earth. Very much looking forward to that. I cannot wait to hear what you think of that whole album. I know you enjoyed the song since you've been gone when we covered it it on Backtracks theme music um for uh oh what was the movie now guardians of the galaxy three was it yep yep um but yeah i'll be curious to see what you think of the whole album you got some great players a great producer and uh what to me a perfect mix i i absolutely love the mix on that album well i i get the since you've been gone has been stuck in my head since i saw the movie in may mm-hmm. and i'm not mad at it i'm, I'm cool with it I've, I've actually had two songs stuck in my head since then the other one is Abacab by Genesis, which is the second record they found for me in Brandon, Manitoba. So I've got Abacab and Down to Earth coming my way this week, and I'm very excited. If you want to hear my thoughts on Abacab, I do a little show with uh, Kevin Brown called uh, The Ultimate Catalog Clash, where we're covering Phil Collins' era Genesis, and uh, we covered that record, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that episode. I enjoyed uh, this week's episode, which was the second side of, was it Genesis? The album Genesis? Be. Um, I've never heard that full album before. So there's some great stuff on there. Um, I really love that show. It's one of my favorite podcasts, not just because of two of my buddies are on it, but it's, it's such an enjoyable discussion. Um, I feel it's really honest. I, I feel like you're not like, well, you know, I really like the drummer, so I better say good things about the drums. I feel like you guys are really honest in your critique. And I like that. Well, I tell you what, uh, you're going to be on that show next week. If you're cool with oh, it, cause we're going to yeah. wrap up season one. A little inside baseball for the folks here, but uh, this week, Kevin and I are recording uh, the final two sides of We Can't Dance, which is the last Phil Collins era Genesis Mm -hmm. record. So next week, we're doing the season one wrap-up show, which uh, Scott Haskin is going to be a part of. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Keep Thursday night open, my friend. Will do. I'm actually looking very forward to that as well, because I've known what your picks are since the beginning. That's right. I've been waiting to unveil them for weeks. That's right, because we have a little side bet, Kevin and I do, that we each took a guess on what our final album rating would be on Invisible Touch. Mm-hmm. And the closest to that number, and I think it's going to be closest without going over. I think we're going to keep the prices right rules. Because oh. then we're, we're less likely to get a tie that way. Mm-hmm. And then if we both go over, then we'd have to think of, we'd have to go to tiebreaker number two. But I think it's going to be closest to without going over. I'll, I'll confirm that with Kevin, but just to give you a heads up. Okay. Uh, so I, I, we each submitted our 
guess to Scott, and Scott knows our guesses. I hope he does, because mm-hmm. Kevin completely forgot his. I talked to him last week about it. He's like, I, because like, do you feel good about? Because now we've covered Invisible Touch. I'm like, okay, this is the final number. Do you feel good about it? He goes, I had no idea what the hell I guessed. So he probably won. <laughs> well, we'll see. I, I, spoiler alert: that rule will or will not come into play. Okay. <laughs> but Corey, right. I have a vinyl question for you. Sure. So you've been collecting vinyl for a lot longer than I have. I've only recently gone back into it. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I had a, a, a shelf, like a wooden shelf, and I kept all my albums on that as pristine as possible, not thinking about ring wear, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's a big problem with the way that records are stored. So as I'm collecting them now, even though I'm getting a lot of the older vinyls, um, I'm putting the individual records into a slip cover, and then I'm putting that in the back of the album instead of inside. So if I have, let's say that there's a specific uh, paper that came with it, the paper would stay in the case if it has like a lyric sheet or whatever, uh, and then I'm storing the record behind it. Is that a safe way? How do you store yours? That is the way you just described is the way you should probably do it. Okay. Uh, uh, for my older stuff, I, I do that. Like I keep them in, in the slip covers and all that. Newer stuff, I haven't really concerned myself with that yet. Because mm-hmm. uh, it really takes a lot, a lot of age uh, to worry about ring wear. I know mm-hmm. a lot of the older vinyl I get that's like, you know, very good or maybe very good plus that kind of comes into play a little bit. But if I'm buying something new, I haven't worried about that yet. But older stuff, absolutely. You put it in the in the slip cover, you put it in the back. Uh, I've got because every time I, I buy from in your records, I get the, the, the slip cover with it. So, oh, yeah, nice. it, it's easy enough to put the, uh, the the record in the back of that and just store mm-hmm. it on your shelf that way. But uh, yep. I, uh, I bought the slip covers on Amazon and then I have the, uh, you know, cause a lot of times you get the outer uh, slip cover for the, for the main uh, cardboard. Uh, but I bought an extra set of those too, because you don't always, you know, if you're buying in some yeah. of the used or like the antique malls. Uh, but what do you do with a double album? How do you, how do you do that one? Uh, good question. I guess you'd have to double up, right? And just put them both back there. Well, I, I'm putting the album in the middle. So if it, if it's like a gatefold, which most double albums are. So I put the first album in the middle of the gatefold and then the other one in the back. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's going to cause ring wear or not. I guess I'll find out in 20 or so years. I I don't think it should. Or or even putting both in the middle, I don't think would either. I, I don't know. There's something in my mind I have that the album should not be together. And that just, it's probably a psychological thing because it's probably fine, but uh, there's something in my head about don't put the albums together. So I've been doing one in the middle and then the other one in the back, like normal. So far, so good. Uh, I only have problems getting records shipped to me that are, are come broken, but I haven't broken one myself. You've had records come to you broken? Yes, I had the Purple Records version of Roger Glover's single from the Butterfly Ball uh, that uh, John Lawton was on Little Chalk Blue has broken twice. Oh, no. And uh, I'm battling both guys on Discogs who refuse to take responsibility or even respond. Um, oh. It's getting getting kind of ugly. But uh, yeah, it's a little bit more brittle of a record, but they also did not put fragile, do not bend, and the post office delivery person tried to put them in my mailbox instead of the Amazon locker both times and cracked them. I gotcha. I've had pretty good luck. I've only had one record. And it wasn't broken. It came really, really dirty. I ordered mm. a, a copy of Poison Flesh and Blood, which you can't get on streaming. Uh, really? I, I found out, yeah, you can't for whatever reason, even though it had some of its biggest hits on there. And it's a record I really mm. like. And uh, it wasn't, you know, pressed uh, in North America so much. 
Uh, so I got an Australian copy, I think, and turns out Australian really bad for vinyl. Never buy Australian, but this wow. I got it through eBay, and this mm-hmm. thing came to me just filthy, and I've cleaned it. Uh, I, I've tried everything to get this thing clean, couldn't do it. I finally just went ahead and bought a different, I, I found a, a club uh, pressing, Canadian club pressing, which if you're getting vinyl, uh, I'm told the two best countries to get pressings from are Germany and Canada. So mm-hmm. this is a nice Canadian pressing. It was near mint, and it's it, phenomenal. So I, I can get rid of that old, really dirty one now for like five bucks. And then mm-hmm. I, I have my pristine copy of, of Flesh and Blood. I got to get John Matola on a podcast and talk about Poison's Flesh and Blood, because I love that record. Oh, yeah. He he would be all about that. Uh, we did a, a podcast on Flesh and Blood, and that was uh, my highest rated episode. Really? Yeah. Even over all the interviews and celebrities and everything I've talked to, that was my highest rate by like three times my number two. I, I thought you guys just talked about uh, Open Up and Say Ah. Oh, it was open up and say, okay, so let's, let's all three do a review of Flesh and Blood then. I mean, all right, I'll get that together maybe sometime after the holidays when, uh, you know, cause you guys have like big families and stuff going on. So maybe in January or something, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule something. Sounds good. My first ever concert was uh, Poison on the Flesh and Blood tour wow. with Don Dawkins opening for him. And my next concert is happening two weeks from tonight, Scott. I'll be in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, checking out Kiss. Wow. One of their final uh, dozen shows left on their uh, farewell tour. Uh, They'll be playing uh, Shannon Tweed's hometown of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and I'll be there with my kid. Uh, Not Kevin Brown. He wouldn't go. Uh, He's a a thief of joy, and uh, he he just refused. He's a bastard. But But your other kid. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be rock and rolling all night and partying every day. I'm looking forward to it. That should be okay. So let me ask you: Do you think this is really a farewell? We're never going to see Kiss again tour. This is the last time I think you're going to see Kiss do a tour tour. I think they might do a Vegas residency, maybe something at the Sphere. Mm-hmm. Like I know Paul Stanley's saying in in interviews right now, this feels like it's it. But two years from now, they'll they'll do something again. They'll do one offs, but I don't think they do a, another worldwide tour again. Yeah. Now the band Kiss will, uh, you know Eric Carr and. Uh, uh, Tommy Thayer, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, Eric Singer. Eric Carr is dead. Er- Eric Singer is their current drummer. I know this because he's he's left to be there. <laughs> I, I've got a signed Eric Singer oh, drumhead here. That uh, very uh, nice from my in-laws when they were down. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. those two guys they'll recruit a new bass player and a new guitar player and, and singer, and and they'll probably head out on the road again because Kiss is just a license to print money, and Gene Simmons yeah. and Paul Stanley really like money. Mm-hmm. So if they can sit back at home and let Kiss head out on the road and make them a shit ton of money, they'll do it. Yeah, I have to say, uh, you know, without it, without Gene and Paul, I don't know that, I, I'm not going to say it's not Kiss because you've got bands that go out with one person who wasn't even an original member saying like John Lodge and the Moody Blues or whatever. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't think I would be interested in seeing that because I think without Gene, the whole personality of the show is completely different. I agree. So I'm looking forward to seeing Gene and Paul for the last time. Like I said, yeah. uh, Eric and Tom, you'll head out, but Gene and Paul are going to be done. So uh, I'm lo- very much looking forward to that. I'll let you know in two weeks uh, how that concert goes. But speaking Please of farewell come. tours, yeah. the band we cover tonight is going to be out on a farewell tour next year, hoping to catch a date, uh, a rescheduled date. Uh, but until then, oh man, let's listen to a little Aerosmith, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Curly, on our dice, for people who maybe haven't joined us before, what we do is uh, we populate a six-sided dice 
with six different tracks from Aerosmith's catalog. We roll the dice, whatever rolls up, that's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to listen to the song and we're going to give your th- uh, give us, uh, give you our thoughts on it. And then at the end of it, um, we're trying to compile the ultimate Aerosmith mixtape. Uh, we have two sides on the mixtape, nine tracks aside, because that's about all you could fit uh, on an old style uh, mixtape back in the day, cassette tape. Uh, for all you kids who don't know what the fuck that is, go Google it. Uh, so we, we have nine tracks on, on each side. The first side is all deep cuts. Uh, second side is all uh, singles or all hits. So we're, we're trying to compile our, our top 18, really, Aerosmith songs, mixing in singles and deep cuts. Uh, we're doing pretty good right now. We've covered 87 songs, uh, not quite halfway through, I don't think. Uh, so we still got a little ways to go. And we got six songs on the die for this week. Let's go over them right now. We have Joni's Butterfly from Rock in a Hard Place. Pandora's Box from Get Your Wings, We All Fall Down from Music from Another Dimension, Fever from Get a Grip, Love in an Elevator from Pump, and Make It from the self-titled debut record. Scott Haskin, uh, what are you kind of hoping we roll here tonight? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. You and I have been doing this show uh, solo for a while since we lost John Mariano, but yet we still have a John Mariano pick on our dice. And so I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try and manifest we all fall down. Oh, see, you just want to get John out of our lives, and I don't think I'm in favor of that. So I, I say we hold <laughs> on to that one a little bit longer. Uh, you put this one on the dice last week, and I thought it was a great choice, Fever mm-hmm. from Get It Grip. That's what I want to hear tonight, because I think all that's right. a really rocking tune. Uh, let's throw it over to Steven Tyler, and we'll see what we come up Toss with. Of the- and Scott Haskin gets his... His cut, it's We All Fall Down from Music from Another Dimension. All right, let's talk. What do I win? Do I get anything for uh, for nailing the, the pick? Yeah, you get to listen to this fucking song. That's what you get. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this song actually caused a little bit of confusion when it was put on the dice because that, that title... Uh, got in my head and I heard children singing that to to the beat of a like a marching snare drum. And uh, Kevin Brown helped me solve that one. That was an Eminem song, actually. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Toy uh, Soldiers. Yeah, this one here. Yes. Uh, Toy Soldiers was a single before Eminem used it, too. Mm. Uh, I, I can't I'm remember. Sure it was a sample. Yeah, it, it was like an, it, it was an 80s song originally mm-hmm. from a female artist and then Eminem co-opted it into one of his but his raps, I think the kids call it. I'm not sure. <laughs> you and you youngsters. You kids today with your Dan Fogelberg music. <laughs> Let's sit and drink some sarsaparilla and we'll talk about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to find some uh, some little tidbits here on We All Fall Down. Ah. Uh, just that it, it was written by Dan Warren uh, for, for this record. Uh, she, she's a hit maker. Of course, mm-hmm. she wrote uh, Aerosmith's only number one single. Uh, I don't want to lick your thing uh, way back in 1990, whatever, 97, I think it was. Uh, they're only Hot 100 uh, single. Um, so there's that. Um, I honestly don't remember this one. Uh, I've listened to this album a few times. Um, I, I have no recollection uh, of We All Fall Down. So this is going to be, in essence, a first-time listen for me. I know it's a first-time listen for you. It definitely is. But, you know, before we listen to the song, I wanted to give a little update. You mentioned a couple of weeks ago that Whitesnake may not be done. And they have now announced they're actually working on doing a farewell album and possibly a tour. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm potentially excited for... I don't want to get excited too much because I got... 
very disappointed last time, but uh, I mean, you know, to, to the thought that we're not uh, done hearing new White Snake material is pretty exciting to me. Excellent. All right. Well, before White Snake releases a new album, maybe we should get to this week's song. We've been yakking for quite a while here. What do you think? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. This is We All Fall Down from 2012's Music from Another Dimension. Did they just rewrite Dream On? They just rewrote I Don't Want to Miss Your Thing, I think. I was kind of expecting that I could stay awake. Just yeah. I like the violins, though. That was a really nice touch. Um, I like what they played, too. That was There was a, an interesting, unexpected change in there. But um, yeah, this almost I, I thought they were just taking Dream On and doing another version of it. it it's like Ballad 101 a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Which, I mean, Diane Warren, that's kind of what she does. She's mm. unbelievably successful at it you know, dominated for Oscars, written countless number one uh, singles, certainly more than I ever could. Uh, mm -hmm. But it, it, it just kind of sounds like stock ballad -y stuff, doesn't it? It does so far. I'm hoping it's going to take some interesting turns. Yeah. When the road you're taking takes you I was kind of expected a bigger moment there when you have the we all fall yeah i expected like maybe like a big rock bump bump bada, yeah. boom and then we didn't get that i was a little disappointed at that yeah i was expecting a big crash and, and a kick and a snare all together and, and really emphasizing a, a punch uh but yeah it was just kind of um i i feel empty I, I will say the recording is fantastic. I love that slight delay on Steven's voice. The reverb is is really just lush and beautiful. But um, I can't say song wise I'm too excited just yet. But I, you know, we're early, so I'm I'm trying to be hopeful. The piano is lovely. It uh, is. I really, it, it sounds fantastic. But the the band realizes Joey Kramer is still in the band at this point, right? Like, give me that big drum. Bam, bam, ba da da. Imagine if he was like Steven Tyler and he's like, hey, guys, I'm still here. Hey, guys, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. Just all of a sudden you hear like a drum roll in the background. Like, oh, it's Joey. Or, or as a drummer, I think the drummer's version would be like cymbal swishes, right? So you just hear like... <laughs> feel so deflated they had two chances to bring in like a really epic intro or, or you know something really powerful and they went with that 
it almost doesn't sound like Joey on drums because that's not what he would do there, right? Was this the one that Stephen played on some of the songs? No, yeah, yeah, he did on on the Joe Perry song uh, for sure. That that we did. Uh, yeah, it seems like pretty light snare hits for Joey Kramer. Yeah, you know he he played on something. I don't think he played on "We All Fall Down" though. Let me just check. Hmm. Because you're right, you know, that does sound uh, that does sound uncharacteristic. Uh, so many different people, like of course Dr. Rudy Tanzi. Uh, on, on something played the Hammond organ. We all remember him. Uh, Jesse Sky Kramer. Uh, Jesse Sky Kramer played additional drums on We All Fall Down. Hmm. Zach Ray played piano and synthesizer on We All Fall Down. So there was a couple hmm. different. Yeah, uh, I was going to say that on that one. The one thing that is kind of separating out the sound a little bit from the typical song like this is that synthesizer. Mm-hmm. Which I, I do like that. And I, I don't know about you, but I can picture, you know, the concert, the, the arena is really dark, except for a couple of spotlights on the stage. Everybody's got their lighters out. There's just these little flickers of flame throughout. And it, it's just got that kind of ballady concert glow to it. But um, yeah, I, that's two chances and they blew them both. Well, I'll tell you right now, we don't have to play the Price is Right game tonight because they never played this one live. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. I, well, actually, well, it kind of does, because a song written by her, I would think that that would get some focus, but this would be a trickier one. They'd have to to really rework the intro to make this work live. Well, I think about it. They play 18 songs nowadays live. Like, it's not a long show, and they yeah. already do a Diane Warren ballad mm-hmm. that went to number one for them. So right. you're going to play the hit. You're not going to play the obscure one from the album nobody bought. True. There was a little bit of guitars, at least, there. A little bit. A little bit. Um, third chance they missed to do an epic. <laughs> this one is at least bigger. It was an yeah. epic, but it was bigger. They at least came in with the band. It was, but you know what hasn't happened on this song, Corey? I have not said I love the bass. Because I, I, I don't, don't even, even know what it's doing. I, I couldn't even pick it out of a police lineup at this point. I had no idea the bass was in there. It's a very poorly mixed song. And I think that might be part of, of why we don't think it's Joey Kramer is because the drums aren't as, as vibrant and in your face. But I, I think it's a mix that's not good here, but also I just, I don't know. I just don't feel like they really wanted to record this song. It, it, it feels a lot like I don't want to miss a thing in that the yeah. band is barely on it. It's mm-hmm. more a Steven and piano type song. Yeah. That if it was just him and a piano playing it, it would be just as good, if not better. Uh, and the band is kind of secondary. And when you see them play it live, it's even more secondary. Like, you know, Brad Whitford, you know, might as well just, you know, go have a smoke or something. He's just like, what am I doing here? I'm playing this this root note a few times and I'm done. Like, kind of the same thing here. They're not doing anything, but it's Steven. It's a nice vocal. It's a gorgeous piano. 
uh, refrain, and it's some uh, classic Diane Warren type lyrics. Uh, when every step on the ladder takes you nowhere but down, that's a good line. Like the the woman can write lyrics like nobody's business. She's written hits yeah. for everybody, but it doesn't for me anyway create memorable music. I'm just sitting here kind of bored. It doesn't sound like Steven's really into it either, though. I mean, his his vocal delivery, pitch wise, power wise, it's fine, but I'm not feeling it. Yeah, and uh, which is weird. I found a quote actually from Joe Perry about this song. Uh, he said that they knew that they had to record the song after. Joe played the early demo for this for his wife, Billy, and, quote, she started to cry when she heard it. Was that because it was so blah, or? (laughs) I don't know. Hey, if it reached her, that's fantastic. I'm I'm really glad she digs this track. Uh, It's not doing a heck of a lot for me at at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just feel, like, cold in my heart now. Well, that's normally there, though. You're (laughs) colder in my heart. Oh, there you go. That says Taylor made singer like Steven Tyler. And I feel like he was reading the words off the sheet. Yeah, it didn't have his, uh, didn't have the power he put in a, I don't want to miss a thing, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Or most other songs. Like, think about a song like uh, You See Me Crying. If he yeah. would have put like that kind of power into this, this could have been a potentially much better song. But so far, I just feel like he didn't want to record it. Even something like Angel, like that, mm. that's about as stock a ballad as you're going to get. But yep. Steven's performance to me really elevates that song into something quite wonderful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. A lot of would not have pulled that off the way that he did. Absolutely. And then, you know, this is a song about, you know, we all fall down. It's okay to feel pain and stuff. It's, so it's almost kind of a mournful type refrain to it. It's mm. almost, you know, think of a song like What It Takes you know, which is all about like a breakup, right? And yeah, tell me that you're happy that you're on. He sings that with such pain and it's so wonderfully, like you really feel his anguish through that song. We should almost get the same thing here. Mm-hmm. And instead we got Steven like, okay, we got 20 minutes to lunch. I got to get back on the set of American Idol. Let, let's just bang this thing out. Yeah, that's a great comparison. I, I think that's a perfect um, example of what that section should have been. It should have had that almost... Not not plea, but just that passion. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the bass. Bass. (laughs) Tom, you made it, buddy. Yay. I wonder if he's going to show up in the rest of the song or if they just bumped the fader up for that. And they're like, all right. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. 
sorry. I, I don't mean this to, to sound like, like, like an insult, but it, this sounds like Steven with his solo band, uh, the Loving Mary band that he had the country record with. There, oh. Because when you hear an Aerosmith song, the band elevates the material because you got right. Brad Whitford and Joe Perry are amazing guitar players. Tom Hamilton is the most underrated bass player in rock. Joey Kramer is one of the most underrated drummers in rock. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't sound like them. It just sounds like he's on the road with uh, his backing band for his solo record. And, and this is like a solo Steven song. Yeah, I mean, the drums, th- this is not Joey Kramer. It, you could you could program the drums and get this. And that's it doesn't feel like it's a Joey Kramer performance. But the other thing I was going to say is we're just now getting to the point where he's increasing the, the pitch. And usually we would have had that at least one or two passes ago, I think, on the chorus or somewhere oh, yeah. in there where he would have really pumped in something different. And it's it's very copy and paste. Like we we got our chorus. That's how the song is going to go. So my question is, where was the producer on this? Yeah. And, uh, you know, th- this is Jack Douglas again, like the, the guy who produced uh, all their classic albums, along with uh, Marty Fredrickson and, and Steve and Joe, uh, guys who've been with the band forever. And I, I, I don't know. And there's better mixed, uh, better produced tracks on this record. Mm-hmm. But this one it doesn't feel like an Aerosmith song. It feels like Steven's solo song, which is fine, but it's not great. It's not Aerosmith. You know what I wonder? I wonder if they're like, well, this is going to be a hit and just figured Maybe. it and didn't yeah. put as much into it. Maybe. Was this a single? You know what? I don't think it was. Let me just look that up here. See, because you'd kind of expect that anything was that was written by her would automatically be based on the list of of singles, if not yeah, and it, the first. And, and it wasn't. Uh, they released four singles from this record: uh, "Legendary Child," "Love Her a Lot," "What Could Have Been Love," and uh, "Can't Stop Loving You," which we covered on the show here. Mm-hmm. And that's well, it. Well, maybe they looked back at it and went, "You know, this isn't a good." Well, and maybe like the the album did not do well. Uh, compared to uh, other uh, Aerosmith records, right? Like, it, I don't even think it ever went platinum. Wow. And four singles off of an album that is not selling well is kind of a lot. And only the first two charted, the second two didn't, so. Really? Uh, yeah, it's wow. year-end. Uh, year-end on the top rock albums was 59, which uh pretty shocking for an Aerosmith record. It did hit number five on the, it peaked at number five on the Billboard Top 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was number one of the top rock albums. It peaked there, but, and then it faded away pretty fast. It's only been certified in Canada, uh, gold, which is 40,000 units in Canada. Is that all? I thought gold was 500,000. That must be. It is, it is in America. It is in America. Okay, in okay. Canada, yeah, Canada is much different. I think uh, like 100,000 is platinum in Canada. 40,000 wow. is gold in Canada, so. Okay. Well, you have a difference in population too, because you've got so much open land, you know, per capita, you're not as as densely populated. Um, Yeah, that's kind of sad. I mean, if if this is the quality of what we're getting, I get why. It it only peaked at number 31 in Poland. Like that's that's shocking. A a huge like rock and roll. I know, right? 14th in Hungary. Like, how did it not chart higher in Hungary? Uh, in, what about in, uh, Japan? Uh, Japan was number six. Mm. They love they love Aerosmith in Japan though. Yeah, That's but like another- the Belgians, like fuck Belgium. Belgium <laughs> it only charted uh, number sixty seven was its highest uh, chart position in Belgium. Wow. I shouldn't say fuck Belgium. I think we actually chart our show may have actually charted in Belgium 
Uh, oh, really? Back in the, yeah. We love you, Belgium. I don't know what Corey's <laughs> on today, but I'm not smoking that, so. Yay, Belgium. I love waffles. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know much about Belgium. I did grow up on Belgian waffles at Elias Big Boy's restaurant. I don't know if you guys had those in Canada. We had them in nope. Michigan. No, nope, we never did. Delicious. No, I'm, I'm just looking at our charts here, and we charted in uh, Australia, Denmark, Japan, Italy, and India. Nice. Yeah. Number 81 in India, uh, our last show was. So that's not bad at all. Very cool. Thank you, India. Thank you to all of our listeners. You know, we don't, we yes. don't ever do that. We don't really take a, a minute to thank them, but for all of you guys who have left comments on like, you know, the, uh, our X slash Twitter page and all of that, uh, we really appreciate it. You know, it's, uh, it's fun to do the show, but it's more fun when we know someone actually cares. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. I imagine maybe not a lot of people will listen to this one because the uh, music from other dimension shows don't do as well as the other albums, but hopefully a few people will check it out. So that's interesting. That says that people are picking and choosing by the song versus that, you know, like I, I'm pretty dedicated to the podcast I listen to, whether it's a good song or a bad song, I'll, I'll check out the show. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. All right, let's get back to her. That was a bit of an extended outro. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> in, Five in minutes the, and 15 uh, seconds, that song was. It should have been three and a half. At, <laughs> it should have been. In, in the words of our uh, recently lost Matthew Perry, could that ending be any longer? Yes. When they started that Matthew part, Perry. When, when we started that part and I saw how much time was left, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Sure. I mean, it's a neat, it's a neat progression. I like it, but three, four passes, I would have been like, all right, we're, we're good. You can, you can end this now. You're not going to do anything interesting behind it. Yeah. Mm. All right. That was, uh, we all fall down and apparently, uh, Diane Warren, Aerosmith, uh, collaborations on occasion fall down as well. Uh, that wasn't a single. So if it's going to go on the mixtape, it's going to be on side A, the deep cuts. Let's just recap them for you here tonight. We have Heart's Done Time, Roadrunner, No More, No More, Girl Keeps Coming Apart, Bone to Bone, Coney Island Whitefish Boy, The Farm, Simariah, Rats in the Cellar, and Combination. Scott Haskin, do you think We All Fall Down deserves a spot on the mixtape? I don't think this song deserves a spot on the album. <laughs> and there's a lot of songs in this album. There's like 15 tracks on this one. 
Well, okay. So for the, what is it? For the six songs we've covered off of this album so far, uh, four of them are in red. I'll just put it that way. Ooh, really? This, this album is not doing well with me. <laughs> well, which are the two that are not in red? Uh, so Legendary Child, I really liked. And yep. uh, Can't Stop Loving You, the Carrie Underwood uh, was, was pretty good. Yeah, uh, I would agree with those. I, I kind of have a soft spot for Oh Yeah, too. Uh, it, it, it's just the, the the groove of it. It's kind of got a dirty little uh, kick to it that I, I kind of dig. But Legendary Child to me is the standout on this record. Yeah, uh, We have one uh, coming up we haven't covered yet called Street Jesus, uh, which is a, a pretty good uh, tune. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's Freedom Fighter, uh, Joe Perry. I think that's his best cut on the record. I'm looking forward to that one. So uh, we, we got maybe a couple more coming here. I'm always hopeful. I, I don't want to say because I've liked so little of this album, probably like the whole thing because every song has a chance that's right and i try to be optimistic and go with that but so far i'll, I'll just say the ones that that we've selected uh the majority of them have not gone over well in this household but scott we got one piece of business left to do here tonight and that's i've got to replace a song on the dice like you said this was john's last contribution of the dice i kind of took ownership for it uh now john is now erased from all of our memories uh with Who? this song yeah exactly you uh, know so what, John, I, I don't want to say that. I don't want to put that note on it because John was a big part of the show. If if you guys hadn't started it together, it wouldn't have existed unless you would well, have just started it with someone else. I'm obviously kidding, of, of course. But no, you he, meant he'll, it. He'll, he'll always be with us. <laughs> of course, and, and, yeah. And uh, I thought about picking one of his favorite songs, but I'm not going to. Mm. Uh, but we talked about a song tonight uh, in referencing We All Fall Down. And like this could have been better like this song. I'm going to pick that song. I'm going to go with Angel from Permanent Vacation. So we're going to wow. put that on okay. the old dice. What do you think of that? I think that's a great song. Um, I, I definitely think we need a better ballad after today. And uh, let's see. So where does that put us with Permanent Vacation? That's um, almost done, I think. Yeah, that would uh, that'll leave us only two songs that we haven't covered. Dude Looks Like a Lady and St. John. Right, we haven't done St. John yet, have we? Now, this is interesting about this show as compared to like the way that you do and the podcast will rock because you guys put everything on a wheel, you spin what you spin. We're very much in control of what happens ex as far as putting them on the dice and giving them a chance, how long they stay on the dice. Because I, I remember when I first joined the show, I had a couple songs that were on there forever before anything of mine got picked. But um, we're a little more in control, so we can kind of tailor when we potentially finish an album off. Um, but yeah, you guys are are winding down to your last half of year on and the podcast will rock. 26 or 27 uh, songs left on the wheel. So yeah, yeah. won't be long. Interesting. I'm, I'm very curious to see what you guys, you're probably curious to see what you guys are going to do afterwards. And we're, maybe we're going to leave it up to our, our, our lovely audience. Let us know. Do you want us to keep going? Uh, do you want us to just go the fuck away? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really up for either uh, at this point. So it all, all kind of depends on what kind of mood you catch me in. But yeah. we have plans. If we want to keep it going, we have like solo wheels. We have a David Lee Ross solo career. Sammy mm -hmm. Hagar has a huge catalog. Mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, Gary's work in Extreme. We have Wolfgang doing his Mammoth WVH gigs, which are phenomenal. Those two records. I would love to cover those on a podcast. So we have that route we can go down. Uh, I don't know if we if we would do another band uh, so much uh, top to bottom again, but um, you know we'll, we'll see. We're leaving the the options open, but uh, maybe this is a good segue, Scott, to talk about our good friends in the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Why don't you tell the folks about them? 
we can absolutely do that. And I will say, if you decide to end the show, you're just going to start another podcast. Obviously. <laughs> so it's not like the CMPU is, is going to uh, shrink by any means one way or the other. Uh, but I've got boy, three in the hopper right now. I knew it. <laughs> Aside from this show, you've got a plethora of things going on in the Corey Morris Corey Morissette podcast universe. You've also got backtracks with our aforementioned good friend John Mariano. You and Mark Kamire do, and the podcast will rock, winding down or not. You also do a show with our good friend Kevin Brown, the Ultimate Catalog Clash. Kevin, not to be outdone by Corey, has a couple of shows himself. He's got the Tom Petty Project and Seaside Pod Review, which covers Queen. I did my show, Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast, which will forever be out there for people to listen to me banter about Uriah Heap. Nate and John do the Deep Purple Podcast. I've got an, uh, an appearance on that coming up. I'm not sure when uh, that'll air, but that was a lot of fun. Uh, Simple Man at Skinner Reconsidered. Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. Riot Sabbath Bloody Podcast, Paul, Joe, and David at the In the Lap of the Pod show, which uh, I think that one's winding down too, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it is. I think end of the year they're going to be done. Yeah, but the uh, episodes will always be available. So uh, that's at least that's the one nice thing is they'll they'll appear in archives forever. Uh, we have Andy and Matt over at Hawk Binge. We also have Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z, Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Mad Men, the ultimate Aussie podcast. Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. We have George and Hattie over at the Judas Priest cast. Clay and Riot, North by South podcast. Greg and Jonathan at So Far, So Pod, So What? Quinn at And Volume for All, which is all things heavy metal. Sav, Nick, Stephen, Mark at the Rock Roulette podcast. Now, now we got to just everybody sit down and we'll go over all the shows that Chaz has because he doesn't want to be outdone by Kevin and Corey. Uh, Chaz and Greg did regarding Lulu. Chaz and Shats have Rush Rash and Chaz's new show with Wolfie regarding Roger, which is covering Roger Waters' remake of Dark Side of the Moon for whatever reason. And uh, let's see, we have our friends outside of Deep Purple Pod or outside of the Deep Purple podcast, outside of the podcast universe that we're in. We have Sean Geek and Fast Fret, Eric at Booked on Rock, Ken Knapsack at Pop Rock and Radio. You can go to my website, click on the Aerosmith podcast link and download his app. And also the flagship of all deep dive podcasts, Pod of Thunder. That's right. The recognized symbol of excellence in rock and roll podcasting. But Scott, if you have nothing else, I have nothing else. What do you say we wrap this one up by uh, thanking everyone from all over the world who's checked out this show? And for all those that are still with us, uh, we're going to be doing this right through the end uh, of Aerosmith's uh, illustrious catalog. So uh, please join us again next week. Until then, on behalf of Scott Haskin, my name is Corey Morissette. Thank you again for listening. And as always, let's give the final word to Stephen Tyler.